Are you in a state of recovery? Do you want more clarity and direction? Have you built your foundation and wonder what lies beyond recovery? Do you want to discover what you are truly capable of? And are you ready to discover your purpose, learn to overcome your limiting beliefs, and change your mindset? Are you ready to discover the key to living a purpose-driven life? When we recover, we are returning to a normal state of health, mind, and strength. We begin the process of regaining control over something that was lost, but our journey doesn't have to stop there. This is the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. After overcoming my own 20-year battle of addiction to drugs and alcohol, I have now dedicated my life to empowering those in recovery to rewire their brain so they can change their story and enhance their recovery even further. Hey everyone, hope you're all doing well today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Road Beyond Recovery podcast. My name is Tamar, your host for this adventure, and what an adventure it has been. Today you're in for a treat. Uh, Today I'm hanging out with the Touched by Addiction team And we're doing just a little bit of a group chat, right? We had uh, some fun. We got serious. It was a little mixture of everything. And everybody is in different, um, you know, areas of their recovery right now. So it was just really cool to talk about some of the things that get us off track in early recovery. So you won't want to miss this. But before we get started, let's start off with a little bit of gratitude. So... This morning, I am truly grateful that people are put into my life at just the right time. This has happened over and over again. You know, I definitely believe in a higher power who I choose to call God. And I believe that, you know, God puts people in your life for a reason. And I believe that people have been put in my path previously and maybe I didn't listen and then they keep getting put in my path but recently I've had a few people um, being put into my path and you know what they do and the services that they provide have just allowed me to lean into my recovery even more you know I'm working through something right now and I'm feeling emotions, right? That's something that I talk about, emotional intelligence and just being okay with not being okay. And that's kind of where I'm at today. You know, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit, but, you know, I have these amazing meditations that I get to listen to. I have a friend that's come back into my life who does personal training. And so we've been able to talk about, you know, my journey with food and she's been helping support me with that. And of course, I've got other amazing women in my recovery who all play this amazing role and help me to continue to push forward no matter what the bumps are looking like, right? No matter how lows the lows are. And I can honestly say that you know, I'm truly happy today, right? I'm, I am so appreciative of all these gifts that I have, all these tools, all these resources, you know, so if you're struggling right now, and I know there's a lot of people struggling, you know, I see it in these Facebook communities where there's people trying to get clean and sober, and they continue to relapse. Um, 
because they're really struggling, right? And, you know, for you guys that are still struggling, I would recommend, you know, digging into these tools, recognizing that you're never alone in this journey, right? You're not the only one who has felt this way. And there are solutions to it, right? There's ways out. Um, and, you know, to just grab hold, you know, if you're struggling right now, reach out to me. Um, my email is Tamar, T-A-M-A-R at theroadforward.ca. And just say, hey, you know what, I'm not doing okay. Um, because I'm here to support, right? We're all in this together. And um, that's an amazing thing, right? I used to feel alone. I used to feel I had that fear of abandonment. It was really, really, I, I noticed it, I felt it, right? Even though I've never really been alone. Um, but today I don't feel that way, right? I know that anytime I'm struggling, I have someone in my recovery circle that I'm able to reach out to at any time of the day. I can go to a meeting, I can do all these things. And uh, it's truly wonderful to know that we're never really alone and we're all in this together. So if you're struggling, reach out for help. I'm here for you. Lots of people are here for you and just know that you are loved. I have to say that this chat I had with the Touched by Addiction team was a lot of fun. It was really cool to listen to their insights, what they thought. You know, we talked about relapse, um, whether or not it has to be a part of the recovery journey. And I don't believe it has to be, right? I, I know a lot of people who have come into recovery and relapse is not a part of the story, right? And so we just talk about that when you're presented with that statement in early recovery that, you know, it's okay, relapse is part of the journey. Does that actually cause you to justify a relapse, right? Something to think about. It was a really interesting topic. And, you know, relapse is not a part of my story. So we talk about that. We talk about the things that can get us off track in early recovery. Um, things like relationships. I know that that could have easily gotten me off track in the beginning because I thought I could do things differently, right? I thought I was special and that everything that had happened to other people and the reasons why they suggested um, these kind of things and not to do them specifically, I could do it different. And, you know, it brings me back to when I'm a kid, when my parents used to tell me, you know, I wouldn't recommend doing this or don't do that. And I just thought they didn't know better. But um, yeah, it's interesting. It was a fun conversation. We plan to do these uh, group chats once a month. And if you know somebody who's struggling reach out to these guys. They raise money to get people into long-term treatment. You can visit the website at www.touchedbyaddiction.com. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this episode. Okay, we are doing a super, super fun episode. Well, super, super fun. And, you know, there might be some real, real stuff coming out here today, but we're hanging out with Touched by Addiction and I'm excited because we've decided to do an ongoing series um, the last Thursday of every month and covering specific topics about recovery and or addiction. And so today we've chosen the things that can get you off track in your recovery. And, you know, relapse is a real part of recovery, but it doesn't have to be, right? Like for me, we were talking before we started recording that, you know, relapse is not a part of my story. And there's certain things that I've done or, you know, I've touched a stove when it's hot and I usually touch it twice just to make sure it's actually hot. <laughs> so true, so true. Um, so I'm kind of a two, two, uh, two toucher. 
Um, but sometimes it doesn't work out well, right? And I've almost experienced that. So I'll share kind of, you know, a story. I, I know that relationships, right? That seems to get a lot of people off track. I mean, we think, and I don't know about you guys, but I know when I first came into recovery, you know, I was newly single. I was excited. I was ready to take on the world, right? Fresh new outlook on life, found God, everything was good. And I'm like, well, how fun would it be to actually do this with someone else in recovery? Because if we can work our recovery together, like that is really cool. And so I remember my sponsor saying, Tamar, don't do it. You know, it was always suggested. And I hear this suggestion in the room. <laughs> that you, you should probably wait a year because if you don't love yourself, right, you can't love someone else. And I'm like, but maybe for me, it's going to be different because I'm pretty special and unique. And yeah. I'm not really like all those people who have, you know, blown up their recovery by dating. And so I did that, right? I started dating and I was very upfront with the guy. I said, listen, I can't get serious. And and I shared a little joke before we started about, you know, what does someone in the rooms bring to their second date? And it's a U-Haul. And that is <laughs> typically <laughs> my MO. And but I I tried really hard to just do this dating thing not considering his feelings, right? He, him agreeing to like, okay, yeah, this is no problem. We can be good friends. Nothing serious will happen. But I think that feelings come along with that, right? And there's always, I've been, I've learned now that I, you know, I'm growing with this, but that usually one of the two of you is going to have stronger feelings than the other, right? And he started to develop stronger feelings. And I just remember after a month thinking, okay, now I understand why this could go horribly wrong. And what ended up happening is I ended up ending it after a month, month which I thought was pretty darn good of me, right? Pretty, pretty, um, you know, uh, pretty wholesome. And so nothing, nothing serious had happened at that point. But when I told him, he actually told me that, okay, that's a waste of six months of recovery. And that destroyed me, right? Like I sat there off on the phone when I told him it was done and we couldn't date anymore like just knowing that you know and that's him that's on him right I know not to take that but I played a part in that and so just you know kind of dipping my toe in the dating water and seeing that it might be different when I didn't love myself yet he I don't know if he ended up relapsing I think he eventually did um, which is not on me. But again, right, I was told and warned that you need to build that foundation in your recovery before you start dating someone else. And, and because of that, I actually have a really good relationship. But it doesn't always end up, you know, in a positive note, right? I could have very well easily relapsed. And Adam, you have a story because that is part of your story. Yeah, I was just going to share. I can obviously relate to the the dating thing as well. But um, for me, early recovery, I believe, is is staying focused. You know, the it, it's a series of little decisions. And so I, I um, just a story that popped to mind when we were talking about this is I was um, going to help out a friend. And he's a friend I hadn't seen in a long time. You know, he everybody, I recover out loud like we talked about, so everybody kind of knows where I'm at. But I went to help him for the day, and we got to work, and, and things weren't working out, and and so, you know, we left the job and it, it, I work construction. So you can imagine that's, that's typical for me, right? These things happen. And uh, we just, well, let's, let's stop and have a couple beers. And, uh, you know, I was kind of new in recovery. I thought, well, you know, as an old friend, I haven't seen him in a long time. What's a couple beers? I could have one or two. 
well, you know, we each got a six pack and, and six beers later, I, I was definitely feeling a bit buzzed and, and, well, let's get some wings and, and let's do this and that. And, um, you know, I'm just hanging out with somebody and, and the drunker I got, the more these thoughts and ideas and, and things started to creep back in that, that, um, were things that I hadn't thought or, or about in a long time. I, I think I was a year and a half sober at this point. So it was just that rush of emotions and feelings and, and how close I came to making so many stupid decisions because of that little moment of, I can have one beer. And, and so I think to, to stay vigilant, to remem remember that it is just a series of little decisions and how quickly it can happen. You know, next thing I know, I was in a place I didn't want to be in, flooded with emotions I didn't want to be feeling and, and facing circumstances that, that I shouldn't have been. And uh, the next morning, like we talked about, just to wake up and, and really wrap my head around that and and to know that I never wanted to go back again. It, it really did uh, scare me, definitely. So it was something I had to go through, but uh, something I use as motivation to this day. Absolutely. And we talked about earlier, like playing that tape through. And, you know, in early recovery, I always taught, like, you got to change everything, right? You have to... I tried not to, you know, I, I remember going to a house party a month in and thinking that I could handle it. And I showed up with a six pack of Diet Coke. And for every <laughs> beer that they drank, I drank a Diet Coke. And so after an hour, I've got no more Diet Coke left. I'm feeling really bloated. And I'm just, I'm, <laughs> and it, you know, I, I laugh now, right? <laughs> I have so many good ones. That's why we have a whole year to do this, right? But like I seriously, those old behaviors like you talked about, like this will be okay. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. But who in their right mind drinks six Diet Cokes in one hour to keep up with their friends who are drinking beer? And I went over and suffered a huge emotional hangover right and I'm just like these are the same behaviors and I've actually had to distance from some of those people until I was strong enough to be you know I don't go to house parties anymore but until <laughs> because everything's changed that the crowd I changed as well but um yeah those things can happen so Bowden what about you do you have anything that's gotten you off track or you almost a hundred percent and um I know most of the guys here can relate to that and actually similar with you tomorrow about the dating thing, like all of us met in a year long rehab program, right? So this is a rehab program of 52 men that live in the same facility for a year straight, right? So you you barely see a woman the entire time. <laughs> so if you, as you can imagine, when you uh, when you leave this uh, this facility, you're, uh, what's the word, Ryan, in the common lingo, thirsty? Thirsty, he was thirsty. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit thirsty, right? So you're, you're like a wild animal. And, um, and I remember I was, um, I was looking for a while. I was really concerned. I'm like, how am I going to get a career, uh, because of this gap in my employment and so forth. So anyway, I finally landed a job. So I'm like, okay, this has to come first for, for a little while. I have to concentrate my career yet because of this so-called thirst. I remember I come back from, um, from work. This is my second day at work. I come back from work. I go to the gym. As I'm driving by from the gym, a buddy calls me and he's like, oh, I'm at the bar. And at this point, I'm still living in my parents' house. This is fresh out of uh, rehab. And he's like, oh, I'm at the bar right by your parents' house. Come by. And I'm thinking, nah, I really shouldn't. I should, you know, I should go home. I should go home, you know, kind of rest up. I got to wake up at like 530 in the morning to go to work because I work like an hour away from 
from home. But instead, I'm like, no, I'm going to go for a couple, you know, I'm going to go grab a couple beers. You know, long story short, obviously, like Adam, these couple beers turn into more than a couple beers. I remember we were waiting outside having a cigarette. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, no, I'm still in control. I'm going to leave. And this beautiful, beautiful BMW pulls in. I remember saying to the guys, I'm like, what's this like beautiful car doing in this like shady bar? And these even more beautiful two women come out of this Beamer. And I'm thinking like, what are they doing in this, in this shady area, right? In this shady bar. And um, I remember I made a couple of jokes as they were walking in, ordered them a couple of drinks. Long story short, as finally an hour later, I'm like, that's it, we're packing up, we're leaving. They come and they join us for a smoke. They convince us to stay with them. One thing led to another and it's like, oh, there's a motel nearby, this, this, this. I ended up getting home at like 3.30 uh, in the morning, completely you know, drunk at this point, basically relapsed at this point, um, you know, full of regret, whatnot. This could have resulted in a really bad thing because I had to get up and like an hour and a half later to go to work Right, my third day of work, I almost sacrificed my career and whatnot, yes. all this kind of stuff because of that temptation. You know what I mean? Because of that moment, at that moment, that was the most important thing to me. It was uh, was to get with this with this with this particular thing, right? So, um, yeah, that like things like that could definitely lead you astray because that early in recovery, if I were to finally get this career that I wanted and then to lose it because of a stupid mistake like that. I wow. think that could have definitely spiraled me out of control, right? Like that could have uh, led to a, a full-on relapse and whatnot kind of thing, right? So little, like Adam said, little kind of little decisions, little decisions like that. If I were to go home after the gym, not stop by that bar, none of that would have happened, right? I would have missed out on a lot of fun and a great story, but I could have <laughs> uh, potentially, could have potentially been a very, very negative and very kind of bad, uh, outcome out of that yeah. Can, yeah can i follow up tomorrow i just i just want to say like and then how do you use that today to apply that to your life today like i know th things simple things like you said like uh, if i miss the gym if i miss if am i gonna just go there right like I, i've learned from my mistake and and definitely applied that to my life today in in all areas of life that we got to be vigilant hundred percent. And like, it's, it's, I think it's good to know too. I saw this video. It's about uh, some priest talking about like knowing what your weaknesses are. You know what yes. I mean? Like I, I know that like, he's like, he was an addict and he was saying that he's like, it's a blessing that I know what my weaknesses are because now I can put like, like shields around it kind of thing, like a barricade, you know, like I know my weaknesses are as soon as I have to drink and there's a beautiful female there or something like that, that's it, everything goes out the window no matter if it's career or whatever, 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 right? So now I know not to put myself in that situation because that's my kind of weakness, right? For Ryan, it's uh, shirtless men, who knows, right? But like now you kind of put a barricade around that. I think, I think too, as you guys were talking, I was struck by like um, how lucky like we are, like you escaped from these things with, with a good story to tell. Right. And right. you made it to work on time. But I think it's important for people listening that like it doesn't always end up like that. You don't always get to go home after the bar to your bed and everything's good the next morning. There's so many people who make these decisions and they go down this path and they end up losing their lives. And as addicts, we're willing to sacrifice everything like Bowden, you mentioned your career and Adam, your family. And we're even willing to put our lives on the line to chase this high. Right. Yeah, and for so, so many people 
it doesn't end up with a funny story and it, and uh, all of them laughing on a Zoom screen, right? It ends up with their parents and their family burying them, right? So not to put a downer on this whole conversation, sorry, oh. but um, like I think it's true, right? And like we were talking a little bit before about this idea that like um, like relapse is a part of recovery, like that's something that I've heard, right? And I don't I don't think that's true because I think for us, if you give us like if you say hey, oh it's okay, it's gonna happen. Like I remember one time, uh, sorry, I don't know if it's my turn or not, but we were driving in a van uh, with one of the workers at the center and he, we were about to graduate and he said, like, you know, if you have a bad night, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up. It can be okay. Like, just like, you know, and I took that as a license to go and have a bad night. Right. <laughs> and I said, oh, you know, Chris, Chris told me it's going to be okay. So I can go in and do this, you know? Yeah. And so I don't think that relapse is a part of recovery. I think that, I think that recovery is a part of recovery and not relapse, but Anyways, sorry for the long-winded interjection. But. No, I love that you say that, Ryan, because yeah. it's so true. And it's something that I, this is exactly why I do what I do is because relapse is not a part of my story because I have continued to build that solid foundation. And I've also created a life beyond recovery that I'm so happy with that I, I don't even think about drinking, right? I haven't thought about drinking for a long time. I stopped. I took suggestions basically, right? Like people were like, don't do this. And, and I would, I joke around that I touch the stove, right? Twice because I do with a lot of things and think it's going to be different for me. But when I play the tape through, I could see myself picking up that drink thinking, well, it's been a while now. Like life is really good. And I'm fearful that my pride would keep me out, right? If I had a drink and I relapsed, that I'd be like, well, you know what? Might as well do a couple lines now. Like I've I've wrecked my sobriety date. Like that's just the person I am. And I love how you mentioned, Ryan, that, you know, I hear it too. I always hear people say, don't worry, relapse is a part of recovery. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be. Because if I heard that in early recovery and Thank goodness I didn't. I did not hear a lot of that in, in early recovery. I would have been like, well, okay, if I'm having a bad day, it's just part of recovery, right? And I think we can push more by sharing these kind of stories, right? Like the, the ones that we can laugh about now that you made it out of, but it you're right, like it doesn't. So do you have anything, Ryan, like you, certain things or Carmine? Yeah, I can go next. Um, I think that... Uh... Early recovery is so such a mind mind uh, blower for me. Uh, there's so many things going through your head. You know, uh, you get a little bit of uh, clean time, and you think, you know, I saw this happen a lot in Teen Challenge. Guys would be there for a week, and they would think they're good, and they're they're good to go back out because they got a week clean, and like they're not really that hurting, and you know they they got a little bit of clarity to their head, and maybe they think that they can go out. So I just think like. Uh, the way you look at it is a big thing for me a lot of times like uh, I would use candy candy to because that would like give my brain the the cocaine high you know like it would uh, trigger the same so I you know uh, it's just like it's such so tough because you you exerted so much energy in your addiction and getting your getting your drugs and using them and lying and stealing and everything else that uh when you get clean it's like okay well now like what do i do to fill that hole so i think it's just a big big thing to like uh you know try to stay focused uh you know keep your eye on the prize and like uh 
just like look at you know look at what you do with your time because if you notice you're eating a lot of candy or you're eating a lot of food not not very not being productive then you know i find that 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 is leading you towards a road back to where you you're going to use again so i just uh yeah that's 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 a great point and how did you fill that hole because that's the thing right food currently is my drug of choice and it's something that i'm really working through right i have to build that relationship i use the 12 steps on food as well like everything if i drop one addiction one comes out my ass like it's like where did that come from right so how did you fill the hole it took me a while but like uh i kind of found my groove in like um you know after i got sick and then i was feeling better i started uh walking and like for me it's like you know now I'm up to like five kilometers a day and, you know, I like, uh, it's just like using that energy towards, towards that and just trying to, you know, better myself, uh, spiritually, mentally, just trying to keep busy with product, pr- productive stuff. Right. And like things like family and stuff like that. And, you know, I agree. I want to, I want to say too, uh, a hundred percent, all the things that, that, um, Carmine said also like um I never knew how serious you know how they say to give back is such a huge part of recovery to kind of share your story and all that I used to think it's more like kind of like the whole not dating within the first year of recovery almost like superstition kind of thing it's not like yeah yeah people say that but it's not it's not uh, it's not really concrete there's no science behind it or whatever but uh, no I feel when I get down when I get really depressed when I get uh, almost feeling like there's no purpose kind of thing. Every so often that does happen, especially in the winter months. You can't get out. Everything's closed because of COVID. But um, when we have these kind of meetings, when we share our story, when we go out somewhere, you know, any kind of venue like that, you're able to uh, kind of help others through your story, through things like that. that. That helps me a lot, personally. That helps me to stay in recovery. That helps me to kind of remember where I was at yesterday a friend of ours that was in a program with us obviously I'm not going to mention his name but i think he called i know adam he called you right he called you carmy probably called you too but i he called me as well and um this guy was like a brother to us right still is but i we know he slipped up but um he called first thing was like hey how you doing oh great 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 but you can you can hear the guy doing lines in the background Right. Like it's very, very obvious kind of, and the sniffling and everything like that. And eventually he admitted he's not doing so well. And like to be able to be sober and help him out or be able to at least try to suggest some things or tell him, look, we're, we're here for you. We're going to, you know, try these steps or we're going to try to get you in a center like this or, you know, just to be able to do that, share our kind of our story with him kind of thing. Look, this is what helped me. So forth to be able to do that. I know yesterday that helped me a lot, even trying to help him, right? So um, I think a very big part of recovery is what I'm finding out now is giving back and helping others. It helps you stay on track, right? Holds you accountable. Yeah. I think that's kind of a two-sided thing, right? Because if we're talking about early recovery, it might not be the best time to to go out and start you know, sharing if you've been two weeks or a week. Yeah, I'm true. not trying to diminish anyone. But like, this yeah. is how you get sober, right? Like. Um, I think as Jordan Peterson says, like, you got to learn to clean your room before you can take over a city, right? It's like, um, I think one of the ways to stay on track, if we want to talk about the inverse is, is doing the little things right. We've talked about how doing the little things wrong can get you in a bad place, but good decisions over time compound, right? 
and and they lead to good habits which which leads to a good life right so yes. if we one of the things that i've found especially helpful is like dominate the small things you control what you eat right make yourself good food eat good food you control what your bedroom looks like make your bed keep your clothes clean your appearance neat all this stuff you know and so i think that that those kind of things compound and uh can help you in recovery right and you can say well look at all these good decisions i've made now when that bottle is put in front of me i can make one more good decision and i can walk away one one thing i do is is when helping other like i had a friend yesterday too uh reach out different from the one you're speaking about and and she was like i just like being around you your energy this and that but it's like i'm going to a meeting so if you want to hang out that's where i'm going so so similar to what you're saying ryan like when i'm making good decisions then if you want to come around that's what i'm doing you know and and i think that that's infectious that's contagious and that that helps me as well but i know what you're saying too ryan in early recovery it is it is tricky but in those settings so okay if i know that you know i'm going to a safe place you want to come along fine but that's it like you know i'm not going to put myself in a jeopardizing situation yeah that's, that's a great very point. very true very true and that, that's actually a really good point too adam that uh one thing i realized another another thing you never know how many people you're influencing yes you know that's another thing i've realized right like just because let's say my problem is opiates right our problem is fentanyl so like alcohol wasn't wasn't really like a thing that that much of a problem right so just because let's say you're able to um well you shouldn't even say that but like let's say you're able to do something that somebody else isn't right or or going or dating or going out to uh or not attending those 90 meetings in 90 days or whatever let's say you're able to go to a meeting once a week just because you're able to do that doesn't mean that you know other people might be looking up to you they might be copying your moves and let's say they need more they need more recovery or they can't do certain things let's say they can't go to a boston pizza and have you know the bar right there just because you can maybe don't bring them with you right because yes. now they're going to look at that oh this guy can do it i can do it and then they're going to slip up and you know like like ryan said earlier kind of thing the amount of people uh that that didn't come back home after that kind of night right like uh we uh you know i, I don't even know adam like you have that shirt with what like 30 something 40 names and that's just the the energy anyway the amount of people that have passed away even in the last few years is uh it's insane it's it's very scary right and some of these people it was one time mistake kind of thing right it was just a little bit of cocaine laced with laced with fentanyl one little error that one little mistake and you're gone right so yeah i guess just to to uh to conclude was uh yeah it's uh you gotta be not even just for yourself but for others that are watching you you never know who's looking up to you and uh those 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 decisions you make you know you can't be that selfish because others might be watching you and they might be copying you and they're gonna make that error too right so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's something it's interesting because I was talking to somebody who had about five years clean and sober um, last week. And we were talking about, you know, when you're looking for someone or you're looking for mentors in your recovery, you know, find someone who has what you want. And that's something that I keep hearing over and over again. And then he said something that he had been told, which I was like, yes, this is so awesome. He said, when you're looking for someone, right, to kind of guide you through this journey, find someone who has what they want 
And I was like, so I would love to hear your comments around this, but I was like, you know, when we're watching people, you know, we can all talk the talk, right? We can sit there and we can share things, but it's what are you doing in your life outside of that that really matters? Like, are you sharing your struggles open and honestly and saying, hey, you know what, right now, like, it's okay to not be okay. I'm not good. I need that support. Like, I need support just like anybody else does. Am I working my program? Am I, like Ryan said, am I doing the things every single day, no matter how hard it gets, to continue to build that foundation in recovery? But, you know, and what I mean, what the, the you know, finding someone who has what they want, it's not necessarily that they've got everything that they want in life. It means that they continue to go after what they want in life, no matter how difficult it is. So I'd love to hear your comments on that. And I go first, I seen a thing, I heard a thing once that said, like, do what makes you feel alive, because the world needs more people that that are, are living that way. And um, I mean, obviously, I guess that's not good as a recovery statement, but but um, I know for me is, is things that I'm passionate about, right? Like I love to evangelize. I love to take people to meetings. I love to to share my story. I love to, it's something I'm passionate about. And I think your passion translates, you know, like people see that life, you're full of life, you're full of adventure, you're full of love, you're full of, and then they want to ask questions of how, how did you get there? And, and then I would share things like what Ryan was saying, where, you know, I get up and not every day is easy. And this, these are the things that I got to do every day to maintain my sobriety. And, and, and you're able to share, but it's that initial of them, like you said, looking over and seeing that you're alive, you're, you're full of life. And, and, and you obviously are passionate about what you're doing. You believe in what you're doing. And, and I think for me, that's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And I think too, like, because of our backgrounds, because of where we were, uh, I can speak for myself, uh, personally, like I was pretty bad, like mentally, um, I was not able to function as a normal human being at all, even in the slightest. And yet here I am three years later and, you know, I got, I'm blessed so much by God. Right. And I'm able to show people that and say, Hey, look, it wasn't always like this, but I, you know, got up and by the grace of God worked my rear end off and built this life that I've always wanted. Right. And so if I can do it, you can do it too. Right. And that's the thing. I, I want to shake people by the shoulders and say, I'm, I'm normal now. I'm normal now. You don't understand like um, how much it is. And I think that that's um, so powerful. I think we all have stories like this where we can, that we can share to people and just give them a little bit of hope. Right. And that's what we were hoping to accomplish when we wrote this book. Right. Is not only one, here's 50 stories for somebody to read that shows that, Hey, look, you can do this. You can get clean. You can get sober, you can put down the pipe, you can put down the needle, and you can be something great. Ugh. I love that, Ryan. Do Bowden, Carmine, do you have anything to say about the whole, you know, the statement that I made, watching people who have what they want? No, I'll, um, Carmine, if you don't mind, I'll go. Um, I I struggle with that, and I struggle with that uh, a lot where it's, um, I don't, like, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, right? And, uh, like, and especially when, it, like, occasions, like, let's say the New Year's Eve kind of thing. Man, I had, like, a mental breakdown. Because I'm, like, in my head, I'm, like, I wanted to have this, I wanted to have this, I wanted to have that. 
And uh, I off, very often I get like, uh, I start thinking about that and I'm like, why am I not here yet? Why I wanted to have this, I wanted to do this. And then I, what I have to do, what I have to force myself is uh, I have to stop myself and be like, okay, but like a year ago, you didn't have this, you didn't have this, you didn't have that. Look what you've done within a year, right? But like, I know with myself, it's a, it's like a daily, daily or almost hourly struggle where it's kind of like, uh, you know, either social media or whatever you look at other people and you're kind of like man they have this they got these kids they got like you know beautiful wife house all this kind of thing this is what i want and uh and you know and, and that it's like a dagger through the heart and <laughs> i'm just not jealous or what but i'm like this is what i want and again i have to stop myself and be like, okay you you recently went through like a life-changing uh you know addiction kind of thing like near-death experience basically you got sober and within that time you were able to achieve all these things so like relax a little bit you know give yourself a break and just imagine what you you know set goals and imagine what you can achieve within that year but yeah i, I struggle with that a lot that kind of like do, do, you know to look up to somebody that has what they want i don't know i uh i know I, as i said myself i don't have what i want yet but I'm, again, I'm working towards it. Um, it's okay, um, Bodem. Follow my example. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for the listeners, Ryan recently got married. Congratulations, Ryan. <laughs> Great. And he's, he's, he's not topless today, so you caught him on a... <laughs> well, but... I was this morning, but... <laughs> and, you know, we joke here and stuff and have fun and talk serious, but Bodem, I appreciate you sharing honestly, right? Because yes. we do go through these different stages and it took me a while to realize that. And because of the stage I'm in in my recovery, now I can see what that phrase mean, right? Watching people who have what they want, because I know people in recovery who have got 20 plus years where when I watch them, they can quote, you know, verses out of recovery, they can talk recovery all day long. Yeah. But you watch how they live their life and they're so unhappy. And that's what I mean. Like when I look at you, you know, and maybe this is a different perspective on thing, touched by addiction. How cool is that? How cool is that we're sitting here together recording a podcast, right? Like there's probably someone that is just coming into the rooms of recovery and looking at you and going, how cool would that be to have a nonprofit organization, right? So sometimes it's a matter of a stopping turning around and like you said looking at how far you've come and what if somebody's looking up, up at you and one day would love to start a nonprofit, right so i think it's a shift in in perspective like carmine what do you think about it for me it was tough too uh, a lot of especially early on like uh in my in my trying to get sober uh, it, you know i would like resent people that had a lot of sober time at first you know and it was just uh Ah, you don't know what it's like now kind of thing, you know, and stuff like that. You're, you got 20 years sober, stuff like that. But you know what, much, as much as things change, they stay the same. And, you know, uh, but for me, uh, yeah, looking up, I had a sponsor and he was like an an old Italian guy. So I really connected with him and, uh, he taught me humility and how to, how to, how to, set goals and and know what i want and like bodan i still struggle with you know you know friends and friends that are doing well and have families and you know and because those are things i want because hey i'm normal now and i feel like i deserve those things so it's tough you know uh but i just gotta look like look through that i went through a decade and a half of chaos you know and i came out the other side and thankfully i'm still here so uh 
I'll use that experience in any way I can to help somebody else. And maybe that's why I'm on this earth or that's why I got saved and, you know, for to, to share my story. So I, I always got to try to put it in perspective. On my end. Yeah. And you know what? There's a car there's a quote. I don't know who's a, who's the by, but I keep seeing it on social media, but it says uh it's like when you're re like, it's not like you're restarting right now. Right. That's what keeps me going. Kind of thing. You're not restarting from zero. Now you're, you're kind of restarting on building on all that experience, all that stuff you learned. And I've learned, all of us have learned through our, through our addiction, through our recovery, through all the struggles. Right. So now we're, you know, we're not going from the beginning. We're, we're much higher than that because we have all those experiences. Right. Like I, I think, I used to tell people that I probably learned more in that one year in rehab than an average person learns in like 10 years living a normal life, right? The things you overcome, the challenges you have, the how your brain recovers even, right? The struggles you go through. So it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what keeps me going kind of thing, right? I keep thinking that I'm like, okay, I have all these experiences behind me and it's going to, you know, it's going to help us in the future kind of thing. Can I pick just a certain... Go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. No, That's just quickly. Just, okay, sorry, man. <laughs> just quickly to circle back on uh, like recovery and uh, and uh, relapse in recovery. Yeah, like you know, it, as much as is it is, and I it is part of my recovery. I learned from every relapse, and now I can I can see situations happening before they happen, kind of thing. So like, uh, uh, you know. Should you feel like a piece of crap if you relapse? Absolutely. Because you know what? You should go into this with not looking to relapse. Like that should be your, 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 your main objective. But it, you know what? It does happen and you will learn from it for next time. So, you know, that, I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I wanted to piggyback off about it. I, I like what you guys are talking about, that attitude of gratitude. Be grateful for the things that I have. And I look back, like you said, Bowden, I, I've been to like three treatment centers in my life. I struggled for 12 All those counseling sessions, all the, the emotional intelligence I've learned, the things I've learned about myself, it, you know, I, I go into things like to bring it full circle, like we were talking about tomorrow, into dating. And I realize how in tune I am with my emotions and being able to talk about things and being vulnerable and, 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 and how much that has benefited me in all areas of my life because it's something horrible that I went through. So I'm able to actually look back and, and see where rehab was a blessing for me. So many people, you know, are, are stuck on this hamster wheel of life and never get a moment to get off and this, is this what I really want? Is this the job I want? How do I feel about this? How do, whereas we spent years talking about that. How does this make me feel? What, what are my, right? Like, so I do feel that there's, there's so many good things that, that have come out of out of horrible situations and I, I like how you even touched on that karm where i've learned in in those darkest moments the things that i've learned and and to use them as motivation to spin those around and i, I think that's very powerful yeah and you know here's the reality is that those of us who have the gift of recovery and have been able to overcome addiction we have every single skill that we need to create the life we want. In fact, we probably have more skills, right? Like you had touched on is that we're resilient, we're resourceful. Like those are things you need to create a good life for yourself. And, you know, I mean, all fun things aside, I mean, in early recovery, a lot of times, 
there's this new world. We meet people, right? Like the boys came to the meeting and I was like, yeah, giddy up, right? Same with you guys and the ladies. And it's hard because I think we're on that pink cloud sometimes and we can laugh about it, right? But it's a good warning or lesson for people listening that maybe they're still in that journey and they're having a good time. Like I was going to the beach all the time. I was hanging out with big groups of people who were doing the same behaviors that they did in addiction, except just without alcohol. We just drink a ton of energy drinks. Like that could have ended very badly. And in fact, you know, I'm going on 10 years this year and there is only two people from the crowd that I got sober with that are still alive today because they continued to do what they did, right? They continued to do those behaviors. They were living on that pink cloud, right? They didn't, I, my first sponsor had said, Tamar, look at who you surround yourself with, right? Because you are most like the five people you surround yourself with the most. And something to think about, I'm reading a book right now about, you know, manifesting and stuff, and it's all science. The more and more of what you think about is what you get, whether you like it or not. So do you wake up? every day thinking okay you know what bring it on world like god what do you got for me today like i i can do this right because every dark moment brings light and it feels better right like when we go for something in our lives if it came easy to us could you imagine like the reward it's like oh okay good we got this but if we have to work our asses off for something especially in recovery the amount of joy and gratitude we feel when we accomplish that is just completely outweighs it right that's why we got to get our heads off of that instant gratification and really that's what relapse does for us right in that split moment we think maybe the drink or the drug is going to make us feel better and we want that instant relief right and reprieve and but it doesn't have to be part of our story so I love this. We're going to be doing many parts of these. Um, so we'll carry it off. We'll have to pick another topic for next time. But Ryan, like the purpose we're here is ultimately to bring more awareness to issues, topics in recovery, fun, not so fun, right? Real how we feel because we're all in different stages of our recovery. But Ryan, if people want to donate and help people get off the streets, how can they support the movement? Well, I think first and foremost is your prayers are much appreciated. They are, um, we can't do anything apart from God and and your prayers are thoroughly appreciated. Um, as well too, we have our website, of course, we sell the hats, we sell the shirts like Bonan's wearing. Um, and we do that. We do that because we, we want this epidemic of drug addiction gone from our streets. We want a world where, where mothers don't have to bury their children and where a night out doesn't lead to somebody overdosing on fentanyl. Um, and we do, we have a goal. We want to see this vanquish from our streets. And we do so by placing people into treatment through the sale of these sweaters. Um, so head on over to our website. We got a book coming, which I touched on. Um, if you ever want to book us to speak, we come speak wherever you want. We'll throw down on Zoom. We'll, we'll come to meet you, whatever you want. Um, you know, we, we're, we're good with a crowd. We're good with people. Um, so if you want to book four young um, gentlemen, good looking guys to come, you know, maybe you're having a bachelorette party. We'll talk about recovery, do a little dance. I think I got something up there. I'll, I'll spray myself up with oil. I'm not, I'm not ashamed if it helps people get into, into treatment. And the other thing too, is we have an amazing community on Facebook. Look us up, come join us, give us a like. That's how we grow. We have a Facebook group um, where you can post whatever you want. And we have a lot of fun together. We meet every Thursday. So come on out and join us on zoom. And thank you, as always, for tomorrow for, for letting us come here. 
Awesome. So glad you're here. And I, I can feel, I don't know what you guys think, but I can feel a fundraiser coming up where um, Ryan does a little strip show because <laughs> now that we've got the oil down version, I mean, I think we're going to yeah. be doing a fundraiser soon. I like being married. Um, so I'm going to have to pass <laughs> on that one. We're doing this for recovery, Ryan. <laughs> we're giving back here. All right, guys. <laughs> All, <yeah. laughs> so we'll see everybody next time. Well, I am certainly looking forward to the next group conversation with TBA. And remember, if you know someone who's struggling and you want to get them into treatment, reach out to these guys. You can visit the site at www.touchedbyaddiction.com. And if you want to donate, you can purchase one of their cool hoodies, their hats, their t-shirts, and that will go towards getting someone who can't afford to get into treatment the help that they need. So guys, I'll see you on the next episode. I have had the privilege to walk alongside of many people who have built their foundation and further enhanced their recovery. But unfortunately, there are still so many people who are still suffering that need our help. The Road Beyond Recovery podcast is a proud sponsor of Touched by Addiction. Addiction thrives in isolation and darkness. Darkness cannot exist in the presence of light. So if you or someone you know has been affected by addiction, there is help. At Touched by Addiction, we are dedicated to exposing addiction and ending the plague. Be that beacon of hope and light that so many desperately need. Each t-shirt or sweater you buy helps to get a struggling addict off the streets and into a year-long addiction treatment program. If you want to support the movement, go to www.touchedbyaddiction.com.